Hi, it's Rob West. Do you need help developing a spending and or debt reduction plan? Trained MoneyWise coaches can assist using practical tools and biblical insights to get you on track. You can request a MoneyWise coach by going to moneywise.org and clicking the community tab. New York Yankees catcher Yogi Berra once said about planning, if you don't know where you're going, you'll end up someplace else. I am Rob West. Well, old Yogi was a master of unintended humor, but he sure was right about planning. And planning for retirement is hard if you don't have all the facts. I've got several for you today, and then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is MoneyWise biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, you work hard all your life, so you don't want your retirement day to roll around and find your someplace else. Having all the facts is critical if you want to avoid surprises and better to have the facts now while you can still make needed adjustments to your financial plan. Our first fact is certainly good news. The odds are you'll probably live longer than you think. But unfortunately, that will also likely put more strain on your retirement savings. You may have heard that the average life expectancy is around 79, but that's the average for all age groups combined, and that makes the figure somewhat misleading. If you look at the life expectancy only for those who make it to age 65, and 70% of us will live at least that long, half of women reaching that age live to at least 87, and half of men reaching 65 will make it to 84. That means younger workers should plan for 20 years or more of income in retirement, and those folks currently retired who may still have all their assets in fixed income securities should move some of it, 20 to 30 percent, into index or mutual funds to offset inflation or risk running out of retirement savings someday. Now, the next fact shouldn't surprise anyone, but it seems like it does. For the vast majority of people, Social Security won't come close to meeting your income needs in retirement. Financial advisors recommend having a retirement income of around 75 to 80 percent of your working income. Social Security was never intended to do that. At most, you can depend on Social Security for around 40 percent of the income you'll need in retirement. The solution, again, is to increase your retirement holdings. The sooner you do it, the easier it is because of compound earnings. Now, our next retirement fact is that most Americans aren't saving enough for retirement. Again, no surprise. Uh, The median retirement savings for Americans aged 55 to 64 is only 107,000. If that seems like a lot, you may be disappointed. You can only safely withdraw 4% of that a year, or you'll begin drawing down the principal of your retirement holdings. That amounts to just $350 a month, not much of a supplement to Social Security. And remember, 107000 was the median savings, meaning half of workers approaching retirement have less than that. There was a time when pensions were commonplace. Social Security was really designed back in the 1930s for folks who didn't have a pension. Today, the vast majority of workers don't have that benefit, and for those that do, the median annual payout is just over $9,000 a year. 
That means most workers absolutely must have a defined contribution plan like a 401k or IRA. But according to a report by Vanguard, a third of American workers have no workplace retirement plan. The solution is obvious. If you're not saving in a qualified retirement plan, open one and start today. All of this leads us to our next fact about retirement. Since so many these days are financially unprepared for it, many are staying in the workplace well after they reach Social Security eligibility. Bloomberg reports that nearly 20% of people 65 and older are still working full or part-time. The Bureau of Labor Statistics puts the actual number of those workers at around 10 million. One out of five workers of all ages say they'll never be able to retire. And one more retirement fact for you, and this one has to do with Medicare. A lot of folks think that once they reach age 65, Medicare will cover all of their health care needs. It won't. For example, Medicare doesn't cover most assisted living expenses. And studies show that around 70% of those reaching 65 will need long-term care, which could run more than $4,000 a month. Medicare covers only the first 100 days of care at a skilled nursing facility, and only then if it results from a hospital stay of three days or more. The solution there is long-term care insurance, which, as you probably know, can be quite expensive. The best time to buy it is in your mid-50s, and you want to get the longest term offered. I hope that's helpful. Your calls are next, 800-525-7000. I'm Rob West, and we'll be right back. Siri, what's the best way to save for college? Hmm, I'm not sure. Well, what does the Bible say about co-signing for a loan or investing for retirement? I don't know that either, but you can find those answers on the free MoneyWise app. Really? Sure. You can connect with the online community and get answers and encouragement from MoneyWise coaches. That sounds great. Siri, download the MoneyWise app. Got it. Learn, Learn more, more at MoneyWise.org. When it comes to investing guidance, you want advice grounded in God's Word. That's the approach offered by Sound Mind Investing. SMI has helped tens of thousands of Christians acquire investing wisdom and confidence. Regardless of your investing experience or how much you have to invest, you can learn to be a wise and faithful steward in the area of investing. A short video webinar on profit and peace of mind is available now at soundmindinvesting.org. Welcome back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West, your host, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you as we take your calls and questions from all across the country. 800-525-7000 is the number to call. Hannah's in Sarasota. You're next on the program. Go ahead. Hey, Rob. Thanks for taking my call. Um, My husband and I have been praying through a situation that came up in our life. We have an acquaintance who is homeless, um, has been for, I think, about a year, and we just do not feel that the godly approach to this is to take him into our home um, yeah. due to his lifestyle and the long-term needs that he has. Um, but I really don't know where to offer him direction. And I was hoping that you could um, speak to what might be a mm. godly option here. 
Yeah. Boy, I appreciate your desire to really be helpful here. Um, I love what Pastor Andy Stanley says. He says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And that's, uh, you know, I think part of what you're trying to do here is that somebody in particular is on your heart. Um, you know, I can't say that I'm an expert, certainly in this area, but what I would encourage you is, you know, often the best thing to do in these situations is encourage someone to go to a, a local homeless social service agency, whether that's a rescue mission or a homeless shelter, and perhaps work with them uh, to see how you can best help. Is it, you know, clothing that's needed? Is it, you know, other services that you could work with them to provide because they're so well-versed in this and you're just not? Um, obviously, these places can not only give uh, a meal and a bed, but they can provide the services and support they need, uh, Lord willing, to get them off the streets for good. But as you know, this is a complicated issue. I mean, there are times when people choose to be homeless, and in many cases, it's due to mental or emotional illness. Sometimes they just need a job referral or some temporary help. And if that's the case here, I think working through a social service agency where you've demonstrated yourself to want to be engaged, but also you've got the support of an agency or individuals who are experts in this area and really can come alongside you so that you don't think you have to solve this alone. You can get the counsel of others. You know, Proverbs is replete with this counsel. Proverbs fifteen twenty two. without consultation, plans are frustrated, but with many counselors, they succeed. So I guess that would be my encouragement to you is to question who can you bring in along with you and together with their experts expertise and your willingness to put in time and resources, perhaps could you uh, provide the assistance that's needed and that will actually get the right outcomes. And that's obviously what everybody wants. So I would make this, and I'm sure you already are, but I would just encourage you again, make this a matter of prayer, Hannah. Ask the Lord to guide and direct your steps, and I'm confident he will honor your heart's desire. Thanks for calling today. We appreciate it. Uh, Let's head to South Carolina. Mary, you've been waiting very patiently. Go right ahead. Thank you. Um, This is a question. I'm a longtime listener. This is a question I've wanted to ask for a long time. And it's not so much specifically about money, but more about about guidance. Um, So I'm I'm single, and I have um, a child still at home, and I'm really struggling. We we make it work, but we live on a very, very frugal budget. Um, My mom is 78. She's actually still working. She's single. She's widowed. Um, and she has spent her lifetime overspending. She still does. No matter how many times I ask her, you know, please don't buy this or that. You, you don't need it. She overspends. And she's getting to the age where continuing to live alone probably won't be a good idea very much longer. Yeah. And of all of her children, I'm the single one, and I do have a house. And so I, I told her recently, I said, Mom, you know, you you never have to go to facility. You, you can come live with me. Mm-hmm. And it's not the cost of having her live with me that worries me. It's the, it's the mental struggle of it. She's very difficult to be with, yeah. um, and, it, and it's difficult for me to resolve. And I don't know what God would say. Yeah. Well, Mary, first of all, I appreciate this question. This is tough stuff. This is There's not an easy answer here. And clearly, your desire, from what I'm hearing in your voice and in your heart, is that you want to honor the Lord. You want to honor your mom. You want to do what pleases the Lord. 
And there's not an easy answer to this. Uh, what does the Bible say? Well, Scripture is not silent on this issue. We see Paul writing to Timothy, specifically addressing practical issues of families providing care for elderly members. And, you know, we can look to First Timothy and see that caring for aging parents is right, and it pleases the Lord. First uh, Timothy 5.4, if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. Uh, we see that caring for aging parents is really one of the ways we can put our faith into practice. First Timothy 5.8, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially the members of his own household, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And, and so, you know, if the job then of caring for aging parents is first for that of the family, then how do we do that in a way that honors them, honors the Lord, and doesn't continue to promote the wrong behaviors or disciplines, which clearly you've seen demonstrated over a long period of time. I love the fact that you led with saying, Mom, you're never going to have to go someplace other than our home if you choose to, uh, because you're opening your door, even though you're recognizing there are difficulties. And I'm sure there's a lot of people listening today nodding their heads saying, I understand that. It can be challenging and frustrating and just all of the things that come with that. So I think the first thing is to recognize that James, book of James, James says, if we lack wisdom, let us ask the Lord and he'll give it to us. And so you need wisdom here. And so continue to make that a matter of prayer. I'm sure you have, but I would just reinforce that idea. Ask the Lord to give you wisdom to navigate this. Number two, you can only do what you can do. And so uh, the Lord is not calling you to be her provider. He is. You want to help, but he also doesn't want you to do it in a way that is going to cause you financial harm. And so there's a limit to what you can do. It may need may need your uh, siblings need to step in and provide some assistance. Maybe you're the one that provides the home and they're providing the financial assistance. Um, and I don't think you need to bear the full weight of the responsibility of this, both emotionally and financially, in terms of how you handle that. But that's tough stuff. And so you've got to acknowledge that the Lord's going to have to help you navigate this, both in terms of making the dollars work and not throw throwing money after poor decision-making that's just going to be uh, spent uh, for, you know, beyond the means that are there, uh, and protecting yourself emotionally just even as you were to potentially invite her into your home. So I think, you know, obviously there's not a silver bullet here. Yes, it pleases the Lord, I think, when you're there to honor your mom and provide assistance, but don't feel like you have to do everything. So I think you need to be thoughtful and methodical. We're not to the point yet where it sounds like she has to move in. That's fine. There's other ways that you can help. I think you need to, in some cases, exercise tough love when it's not appropriate to give money if it's not going to be used in, a, in an efficient way. And so maybe you find ways to give where it's going to go directly to uh, a need and not pass through her hands where she can use it frivolously. I mean, you need to be wise as a steward at the same time you're trying to honor your mom. But uh, there's not any easy answers here, Mary. And so I'm just going to ask the Lord to give you some wisdom as you navigate this and uh, seek a lot of godly counsel, perhaps from your church and friends and family. Does all that make sense? Yeah, it does. Thank you so much. All right. We'll be praying for you. I wish I could tell you exactly what to do, but uh, I think you need to live in the tension and allow God to just show up and give you guidance along the way and uh, keep us posted as you progress. God bless you, Mary. Thanks for calling today. And we'll be back with more calls on Money Wise. 
Do you ever feel stressed or anxious about money? If so, that's normal, but you don't have to accept that. You can find peace of mind and financial security. Learn how with the 31-day devotional, Money, Seeking God's Wisdom. You'll find daily questions to reflect on and practical exercises paired with scripture for spiritual and financial growth. Right now, you can request your copy of the Money Seeking God's Wisdom 31-Day Devotional with a gift of any amount at moneywise.org. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I couldn't have had the procedure I needed without CHM's help sharing the bills. That letter from a member displays Christian Healthcare Ministry's purpose to glorify God and serve His people. CHM is the original non-insurance voluntary health cost-sharing ministry, enabling its members to share the cost of each other's medical bills. Call 800-791-6225 or visit chministries.org. Welcome back to Money Wise. I'm Rob West. This is the program where the 2300 verses on money and possessions found in God's Word intersect with today's financial decisions and choices. The number to get in on the conversation, 800-525-7000. 800-525-7000. And let's go south to Miami. Martha, thank you for calling. Go right ahead. Hi. So, uh, hi, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. Awesome. So I'm in my 30s, and I would love to purchase a home. However, um, I do owe some students loan that's over 100k. So my question is: Is it a smart idea to try to pay off my loans and then focus on saving for a house, or should I just do the minimum pay for a student loan and then save at the same time? My yeah. third question is, for my loans, in regards to my loans, should I refinance? And if I refinance, will I be paid? Will my interest be higher than what it is now? Or should I just yeah. leave it just like that and make the payments? Yeah, a couple of thoughts here, Martha. Uh, number one, I can understand how you'd want to buy a house. Uh, Miami is obviously in a red-hot real estate market right now, so it's not an ideal time for you to be a first-time home buyer just because of how sky-high these prices are. Many folks buying well above the market value, continuing to drive uh, the market higher. It will soften. I don't think we're in a bubble situation that's going to burst because they're not making uh, any more uh, waterfront property like you have there in, in Miami, which is so prevalent, and uh, just given the fact that there's a lack of inventory nationally for homes, given the demand that exists with the millennials wanting to buy single-family homes and moving to more suburban areas. Um, but we will see a softening of the housing market uh, driven by the slowing economy and uh, uh, mortgage prices or mortgage interest rates, which now are well above 6.5%, so a significant rise from where we were just even several months ago at at 3%. Um, So given all of that, I don't think this is the ideal time, but that's a good thing for you because it gives you time to save. Now, how do you balance the saving for the down payment, which I'd like for you to have 20% alongside this desire to be debt-free on the student loan? Well, that's a lot of 
debt, obviously, at $100,000. So I think there's a couple of ways you could go. If you just really had a conviction that I absolutely want to be debt-free out from under this student loan as soon as possible, then I'd say you just set that home purchase aside for a good number of years and you just stay laser focused on paying off that debt. What's probably more realistic is I like to think about paying off student loan debt with a 10-year payback. And so it could be that based on your current trajectory, you're not going to even pay it off in 10 years. So what I would do is call your loan servicer and say, how much would I need to send every month in order to have this paid off in 10 years? And then if you know you're on track for that, at least this isn't just going to extend for you know 15 or 20 years or more. And then if you have any margin whatsoever, and that means you got to really go back to that spending plan and buckle down now more than ever with inflation so you can get some margin that you can use to fund your home uh, purchase down payment savings account, then I would do that with whatever you have in margin over and above what you need to send to the student loans that's going to have that uh, completely paid off in 10 years. That would be my approach that's kind of a balance between the two that says I'm not just going to allow these student loans to stick around forever. I actually have a plan that allows them to go away in the next decade, but I'm also making some progress, even perhaps a little slower, but I'm making progress toward getting that down payment so there will come a day where I can buy that home and uh, and then you just have to be diligent. Does all that make sense? Yeah, because right now I do live with my parents and um, which I don't pay much bills and my car is already paid off. So I feel like, okay, maybe if I focus on paying the max, I can get rid of my loans within maybe four or five years if I'm determined. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a lot of money. So, I mean, I I think that's the key is, yeah, you are in a great situation right now where you've got low expenses. I would take advantage of that, but it's really just this idea of how long are you willing to wait to buy the house? And if you really stay focused on the student loans, how quickly could you pay them off? And are you willing to wait that amount of time for the home purchase to start the home purchase process, which means you're just beginning to save? Or do you want to say, no, I'm comfortable with this being with me for 10 years, not any more than that. And so I'll put that plan together, but then I'll start right now building up toward that down payment on the house. I think you could go either way. It's really, there's not a right or wrong. It's really just a conviction matter. Okay. One more question. So yeah, real would, quick. Do you think would you think it's a smart idea to refinance my loans or just should I just leave it the way it is? Yeah. Are these federal loans? These are private loans. Okay. Uh, You're likely just given what's going on with interest rate uh, to be in a situation where you're not going to have the ability to get the interest rate down. So there wouldn't be any benefit uh, to refinancing. You could certainly go to bankrate.com and and see what options exist. But I suspect what you're going to find, Martha, is it doesn't make sense because you're not going to save enough in interest. In fact, the rates may go higher just given what's going on with interest rates right now. Hey, thanks for checking in with us. God bless you. Uh, Our final caller today, we have just a little bit of time, Mary, but I wanted to get to you because you've been waiting patiently in Salem. Go right ahead. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, I just want to be a good steward with my money. And as I'm in my 30s, I'm finally sitting down and budgeting and looking where everything's going. I'm looking at my student debt that I have, you know, $12,000 left in private student loans, which I can't bring down anymore. I have to pay like four fifty a month. And yeah. Um, I really just want to get. I just want to get it done with. At the same time, um, Lord's really 
opened my eyes to giving and giving 10% of what I take home. And, you know, I've been given some contradicting, like, information. Like, you know, people are saying, you know, God understands you can you know, pay off your loan, pay off your debt. Let me do this, Mary. Let me... I appreciate your question. I'll I'll answer it off the air. I'll just say quickly, I wouldn't change your giving. I think the Lord will honor that, but I want to talk to you more off the air. Unfortunately, I'm out of time. Hang on the line. We'll be right with you. And that's going to do it for us today. And as we wrap up, let me just say thanks for being with us today. Thank you for your calls. Thank you for listening. And thanks for being a faithful supporter of this ministry. You know, beyond the broadcast, we have an entire team of contributors and coaches and web designers and media producers working each day to develop tools and content to help you become a better biblical money manager. And none of that work would be possible without your financial support. We offer a lot of it for free, and that's only because of the generous gifts from listeners like you. If you're not yet one of our financial partners but would like to be, would you visit our website at moneywise.org and click the donate button to sign up? We'd certainly be grateful. In the meantime, Please set an alarm on your phone and make plans to join us again next time. I'll be here and I hope you will be too for the next installment of MoneyWise. MoneyWise is provided by MoneyWise Media and listeners like you.